Welcome to episode 17 of Gridwalk. This is going to be a weird episode because we record normally Tuesday evening, which was before the Grand Prix that was supposed to happen this weekend was canceled. So the first part of this episode is going to be us talking about the cancellation. Nicole gives some great historical context to all of this happening. Second half of this episode is going to be all the content that still makes sense to talk about um, that wasn't about the Grand Prix. Uh, so we're going to talk about the recent budding trend of makeup sponsors in motorsports. We're going to do predictions for the F1 Academy race weekend because that is still going forward. Nicole gives us a gossip grid so we talk about pop culture. And then of course we end with yellow sector notes. Uh, so all of that is still, uh, it had nothing to do with the race, and it was good content. And all the other stuff we recorded is lost into the content abyss. Hi, <laughs> it was so fun and good, but unfortunately it's locked in the grid walk vault. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so halfway through this, if we look different, if we sound different, you now know why. Cold ground are lined up on the grid, it's lights out, and away we go on this week's grid walk. It was really um, anxiety fueling this morning of waking up and seeing the like horrible conditions and the photos and the statements coming out. And I'm, it's just imminent at this point. I feel I believed of it being canceled. And then yes. like Brianna's still asleep, um, you know, because it's the middle of the night. Time zones, it's a thing commonly talked about on this podcast. And then <laughs> as I'm getting on my train to go to work, open up Twitter and there's the announcement. So I'm sending it to Brianna and we had speculated in the episode of just like hey this you know we don't know yet but now it was time to game plan of okay the race isn't happening um which I you know kudos to F1 of making this decision making it now you know really yes. big deal yeah no this was I think in all of the lost, forever lost footage of episode 17 that will not be a part of this episode, you probably heard us say multiple times, yeah, if the Grand Prix happens, because it's really not looking like it should happen, and it's not. Because the flooding and the images that are coming out of that area are terrifying. And you and I have both lived in Miami, and I've experienced hurricanes, I live in Southern California, we get wildfires. The fear of something like that happening and the loss of life that's coming out of this, the loss of property and people's home and safety. And then even if, let's say all of it died down in time for Saturday, like they could pull it together by Saturday, there is no reason to put the additional strain on the people who live there in, to hold and organize a Grand Prix and to host all these people in their home in their town. And I think there was a lot in the statement that F1 released about, like, there's emergency response going on and some of that would have to be diverted away to get the circuit and the track safe. And then some of the police force that is helping with the emergency response would then have to go and do the normal safety things they do at a Grand Prix weekend. It just... It wouldn't make sense. No, that would, would be ridiculous. It, it's, it would be such a, a harmful decision in general. Just yeah. not, come on, let's be very realistic about what really is important right now. And F1 did that. 
you know, if you do want to help, we have shared on our social media and we'll continue throughout the entire weekend. Whenever you're listening to this, you'll be able to find links to local resources where you could donate money. Um, also, if you're feeling down because you really wanted a Grand Prix this weekend, just know those feelings are normal and that's okay. Um, I know F1 Multiviewer is going to do a watch party this weekend for... I actually don't know what Grand Prix at this time. They haven't decided. But you can go and still watch racing with other fans this weekend. What shocked me. So yesterday while we were recording, we recorded an entire podcast like this was happening. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think everyone has the best history for making decisions like this quickly. And so I do want to commend them for uh, succumbing to the public pressure that... This race should not happen and yeah, making was, that decision quickly before this weekend started. It, it just got to a place where it was so undeniable and looking at the weather forecast. I mean, last night when we were recording, we looked up the weather and it's like, right. um, it's raining literally right now. And it just kind of felt like, who are we kidding? Really? I'm not, you couldn't see the track like and it was going to keep raining and just, it wasn't necessarily going to improve, and that was for sure. So kudos to F1 for making an actually timely decision. Why don't we trust F1? Well, we don't trust F1 because in 2021, we all had to sit there and watch Spa not really happen. Yeah, um, it's funny when, like, looking in, because when we were being like, well, how has F1 handled this in the past? And, like even like the discussion of rescheduling the race and like, when does that actually happen? And just kind of like what this looks like in the sport, depending on what time of like, what time of the like F1 timeline it is. So it was really funny going and doing this deep dive of how, when previous F1 events have been canceled, what has caused them, how it's been handled in the past, which sources chose to include 2021 spa and which ones like didn't even acknowledge it or which ones said like well this just should have been canceled and it basically was except people were given points for it and you know and 44 laps versus three laps and back. people right yeah that is right. it's just a sad excuse for right the second point with all of this is that f1 is run through promoters and promoters never want to give people their money back so it's it's something like the clause is if you do like the relapse, I believe it is, then they don't have to give refunds. I'd be pissed. I would be furious. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. who are you kidding? But I guess right. they're like, we promote. You pay me to promote an event. That's the event right there. I, you know, but that's not the event you promoted is, again, three laps versus 44. And but, so uh, much. So. I never like to be an F1 excuse machine because I think they should do better and we're proud of them for doing better this weekend. But I, so many confusing decisions that happened in F1 come down to the fact that there's a race promoter there who's making the decisions. So why don't we have a well-organized race calendar? Well, because all the race promoters like really specifically want their races to happen at certain times. No, I don't understand why we keep having to have Suzuka in rainy season. Can we stop? Like things like that are happening because they have to every single race they have to negotiate with local officials and race promoters. Um, so I do think a lot of bad decisions sometimes come down to if F1 cancels a race, they're not liable to pay everyone back, but the race promoter is. Yeah, 
It's a really interesting caveat to the sport. What a surprise that this is such a unique circumstance to this exact organization. Like, no, yeah, it's so on brand <laughs> for it. I did a deep dive into the calendar for the rest of the year to see if there was even a slot you could fit, like a rescheduling of this Grand Prix into. Okay. So my caveats were, it couldn't take um, a collection of races and turn anything into more than a triple header. Okay. So like, are there open weekends on the calendar from now on? Yes. Um, but if it was two races, a break, one race, and you slot it in, then there's four races in a row. Be a I don't, quad. I don't know what yeah. that's called. I don't want to know what it's called. That's okay. No one tell me. Don't no, because I don't want to do it. Actually, leave it in the comments. So I'm dying to know. Yeah. Um, and the answer is there is no opportunity. What about the, silly? Even silly season would make it like a. And by silly season, do you mean just summer break? Yeah, like if it just, they were like, they would have oh, to, sucks, like, sucks to be you. We're going to just take a week of this, like, and just have so a race. summer break is written in the bylaws and the regulations of the sport. They would literally have to rewrite the rules of the sport, decide there's not going to be a two-week summer shutdown, which is in the, the rules. <laughs> it's yep. like, and... So they would have to go through an entire thing just to have one more one right no 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 it's you it's, could put it after it's Abu not gonna Dhabi. happen it just oh well so it's not gonna happen no it now it, if it does then we're gonna have like a stretch of four races or five races somewhere but the beginning of the season was actually the light part of the calendar the yes second yes. half of the season like from here out. We're in like triple header, triple header, double header, triple header, triple header, like yeah. crazy. It's like nonsense. if only, you know, we could have moved this to when the Chinese Grand Prix was supposed to be, but like you can't go back in time and do that. The other interesting thing is that this is the last uh, Grand Prix on Imola's current contract. So we, this just might also be it. I wonder if this will change the negotiation for next year and yeah. like we might get another one under this current contract. Like I obviously don't know how that contract's written, but yeah, I wonder if there's like a caveat of cancellation or something, something yeah. in it. But but if I'm, you know, a betting person, I would probably say that this is not going to be rescheduled. And yeah. I really hope to everyone who bought tickets and was planning on attending this event, one. I hope you didn't get on your flight yet and that you're home safe. And two, I hope that you're going to get your money back. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that all unfolds with the promoters for that. So knowing that we were going to re-record the beginning of this podcast and talk about this instead of previewing the race, Nicole went and did a dive in the history books of what are times F1 canceled a Grand Prix like this? So what's the precedent? When has this happened before? Not a ton of other times in Formula One history have we, have we, has the races been canceled for some reason. So prefacing when going into this, I'm only looking at like races being canceled 
due to some like major event or like that same week. And it's not including any races that were canceled in the middle of it with incredible amounts of rain or should have been canceled in incredible amounts of rain um, and COVID. COVID happened and a lot of races were canceled and that's very front of mind and we all very much know what happened with COVID. So I'm not going to have to tell you about that. So besides that, basically until the mid 80s, F1 regularly had to like move their calendar around because there was so much kind of shifting and events and different things that it was almost normal for a race to suddenly be canceled and like move somewhere else. Um, but this was the actual Imola 2023 is the <laughs> first race that had to be canceled prior to the actual race weekend due to weather related reasons, which ever? is ever, which is really wild. It is what? the, the actual stat is it is the first race out of the 1084 world championship grand prix to be pulled before cars hit the track due to weather. I know it's like weird to think about because especially like given the areas that F1 races and rain and the odds of this just never happening before is kind of crazy. What that's telling me, all that's saying is that F1 has been incredibly irresponsible for most of it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Which we knew. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, So that's not necessarily any sort of major surprise, but just a couple of other like really notable cancellations and surprisingly or not surprisingly really at all a lot of them are the belgian grand prix but not jumping ahead too much um a major one which was kind of the first big string of cancellations of f1 races was in 1955 after the disaster at le mans um so if that's something that you've never heard of before just really quickly because it's important just to acknowledge and not just brush past the Mans 24-hour disaster was an incident when um one of the drivers their car went into the grandstand 83 spectators were killed the driver was killed like over 180 people were injured it was really really horrible um it eventually led to the cancellation of the french swiss spanish and german grand prix that year there were a lot of different motorsports events were canceled and actually caused mercedes to withdraw from motor racing in a lot of capacities and at least was not involved with f1 in terms of being a constructor until 2010 so really really caused a big shakeup in the world of motorsports of that disaster Fast forward to 1957, the Belgian and the Dutch Grand Prix were both canceled that year due to the Suez crisis. There was a lot of rationing of fuel, big economic issues, and it basically led to like lower, they were the offerings to teams, like the winning of the money was less. Um, they were like, here's the pool and we're going to give you less money to participate now um, because there's just so much economic crisis happening. And the teams were like, ha, you think we're going to still do this for whatever you're going to pay us? And like almost at the last minute, they just scrapped it. It caused a lot of uproar. Again, 1957 doesn't sound different to recent years either. (laughs) Never cancel for rain, but we'll definitely cancel if the money pool is smaller. Got it. Okay. Yes. So, um, and then I can at least go into an example where, you know, there was a little bit more of a revolt against uh, bigger, better things. I guess also 957 of being a Formula One driver, a little bit different than in 2023, but... 
Going to 1969, Belgian Grand Prix, Jackie Stewart, a driver, led a driver boycott because promoters were literally refusing to pay for updates in the track that were incredibly crucial. So uh, Jackie Stewart actually, three years prior at this track, was involved in an incredible accident. Surprise, it was raining at Spa. And he crashed and was stuck upside down. And the car and the fuel like ruptured in the tank. It was a hard, really horrible experience. So he had been kind of um, petitioning for safety improvements, particularly at this track, for a really long time. And basically, all the drivers agreed. Race just did not happen because you didn't have drivers to participate. Fast forward 1950, 1985. We are back at Spa. What a surprise. The track was promised to be receiving a resurfacing before the race, and we love that for a race. Of course, it's fantastic, except it happened 14 days before practice was supposed to start. So did it really get to... Yeah, right? So good. Definitely not like it's not going to be ready to drive on and go very fast, and it'll definitely fully stay together, right? Ha ha. Nope. So on Friday during practice, parts of the track were breaking away. Um, and there was like a really sad attempt of trying to repair it overnight into Saturday. And then they began Saturday practice and everything. And it just was, a, it was horrible. The conditions were so bad. The cars were lapping 25 seconds off from what they were when they started on Friday. Um, and later the organizers were fined. Of course, a couple months later, but we're fine for being like, hey, how about like plan better next time? Um, important to have a, a road to race on. <laughs> no words. Right. And last one that we'll end on, and I guess technically in terms of the races that we're looking at that apply in my study of canceled F1 races, 2011 Bahrain. Um, it was supposed to be the opener of the 2011 season. But there had been a lot of anti-government protests and uprising across North Africa and throughout the Middle East. And this was known as the Arab Spring. And it reached the country um, in the months prior. So there was a lot of horrible incidents. Several protests were, protesters were killed. Paramedics were prevented from helping them and reaching the injured. A lot of horrible things. And it just was uh, not the time to be having a race there. And, you know, drivers and teams were all very supportive of that decision as well. So all very unique, some very different, some not so very different situations of prior F1 race cancellations, but um, definitely none like this. So, you know, I found it really interesting. I nerded out. We love random fun history lessons and, you know, things I would probably never really looked into until we had to experience it again. Everything goes back to that Le Mans crash. I know. That's exactly like when starting to do the research, I'm like, uh, you know, rightfully so. And of course, like, this is where it starts. Always. If you're researching something in motorsports history, you will end up there at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And step, you could do like the, you know, six degrees of, or seven degrees of Kevin Bacon and basically like how quickly in motorsports could you get to it? Like probably within like three. Money, money, money. I'm really excited for this next topic we're going to talk about, because it's something that you and I have been discussing a ton behind the scenes, which is when are the the sponsorships that F1 and motorsports as a whole get, when are they going to start to represent this new audience that motor racing has, particularly in America? So F1 has come out and said that 40% of all of its viewers every weekend are women, which is up a 
ton. But that's also not taking into account that women fans are the most passionate vocal fans. They create community and they invest money in all of this. <laughs> so motorsport, my brain short-circuited. So my brain short-circuited. Uh, motorsport is incredibly expensive. They need sponsors to keep this thing running. So mm -hmm. races have sponsors, teams have sponsors, drivers have sponsors. AKA there's a ton of brands that are just funneling money into, we'll talk about F1 in particular. And the whole goal of every single sponsorship is I'm going to give you money and you are going to promote me to the people who are watching the sport. So the example I've been giving a lot recently is Heineken invests in motorsports. So we all buy Heineken beers. Or a uh, bigger picture, Salesforce invests in motorsports and F1 in particular. So when businesses and business decision makers think about what CRM to use, they decide to use Salesforce for their company. It's all the same goal. It's maybe because you saw it on an F1 weekend or an F1 driver or an F1 team that you will buy said thing. So if 40% at a minimum, at a baseline of viewers for F1 are women, my question and that we've been talking about is, so when are the brands that really focus on women going to start to get involved in this? And this weekend we had two, well actually within the last two weeks, we had two really big moments for this. So the first one is that Tarte sent a bunch of influencers on a brand trip to a Grand Prix, to the Miami Grand Prix. And this has been really controversial and has made a lot of people upset for a lot of good reasons and bad reasons. So I'm gonna focus on one of the good reasons to be upset. It has come out since that Tarte is getting uh, accused of not treating their black content creators the same way as their white content creators. And that's just not okay. That's just plain period, not okay. Nothing we're gonna talk about right now is going to be with how Tarte executed any of their recent brand trips, which have all seen uh, the execution of this, not great. Um, nor am I going to talk about whether, you know, we like Tarte's business practices or them as a brand. What we want to focus on is the decision they made, not how they executed said decision. Right. And the rule of we should advertise at Formula One, not how they ended up doing it. Just the fact of making the decision to do it because their audience is there. Right. So there were a bunch of people who sat in a boardroom at a makeup company who said, you know what the best way to spend some of our advertising dollars is? Let's send a bunch of people to an F1 Grand Prix. And historically, you do not think the best way to sell makeup is to be at a Grand Prix. Maybe it would be to go somewhere else, pretty much anywhere else They've, that historically brand trips have gone, whether it's luxury beaches, spa resorts, Coachella. Coachella. Mm -hmm. um, Tarte went, no, no, no. There are a lot of women who are watching F1 right now and we want their eyeballs on our product. Now, they definitely did not do well in the execution, <laughs> but that decision is a really big shift in the marketplace. And personally, I've been screaming for, please notice us, please notice we are here. And yeah, I buy beer, so like sell me beer. But you can also sell me makeup and skincare. And there's so many things that 
could be sponsoring F1 that are not currently because they might not innately know that their audience is there waiting to be sold. Like if I was in any room right now with any cosmetic skincare brand, I would be screaming about this opportunity because F1 has such a passionate young female fan base that will support anything that comes out. Like if you've seen every single time, Perfect example. I didn't even think about this today. I am wearing a crop top that says Formula One today that PacSun put out. This is not the most innovative piece of clothing, but I was so excited that yeah. F1 put out something for me and this sold out like unbelievably quickly. Every time F1 does something targeted at women, it sells out really fast because of that passionate fan base. So then in addition to Tarte, and what really pushed me over the edge about how excited I was to talk about this this week, is that we got the news early this week that Elf Cosmetics is going to be sponsoring Kathleen Liege in the Indy 500. Unbelievable. That's like out of this world. So cool. So exciting. Just big. That's huge. A sponsorship huge. is like a whole, like bigger meaning of it all because that's like so prominent so there consistently all the time and a basically a partnership with a driver with a female driver that's it's incredible and for one of the three biggest races of the calendar year so it's a third of the triple crown is the indy 500 it is a huge race and she is like elf cosmetics is going to be right on the car and this isn't even um Touching on the fact that Victoria's Secret is predominantly sponsoring a NASCAR Cup series driver right now as well. So this is a trend we're seeing. And I, we're definitely seeing the early inklings of people noticing and taking note. And it just every time I get a notification from any motorsport journalist reporting on insert female-oriented traditionally brand involved in motorsports, I just scream and do a happy dance because it's just... It, it is further evidence that people are noticing we exist and that we are a big, important part of the F1 fan base. But then that's also bleeding into other motorsports as well, like this Indy 500 sponsorship. Uh, and Elf specifically said that they're going to be doing some types of activations at the Indy 500 as well. Like, I'm just going to plant a seed in your brain, Nicole. So we went to Coda last year. Imagine if we walked into Coda and to our left... There was barbecue, and then center, there was all the alcohol in the bar that we could buy. And then to our right, there was like, do you want to get a face mask from Elf Skincare? Like, and, then, and then you get to watch cars go vroom. Like, I, like, put all of that together, yes, yes, please. I would like a face mask, a beer, and some cars going vroom. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'll pitch this to Elf right now. Their setting sprays are incredible. This is an incredible place to be marketing your setting sprays at an F1 race. So, but I love it. I love the idea. I can't wait to see what activations they do. It's really interesting to see. And it feels very validating as a female fan of a sport where you're constantly being told that like, you don't know what you're talking about of like, well, look at that. There's companies that are like putting money into it because like we're here enough and know enough to like recognize that it's uh, that's like maybe a little bit too deep of it all but i think that it feels very validating as to be seeing companies that i am already shopping from or am a customer to coming into a sport that i maybe it's not always brands that i necessarily would consider myself a consumer of 
I think validating is a really good word. And um, I don't think that's an overreaction or I don't think you're overselling the emotional component of it because I think as women who like sports, we spend so much time validating our existence. So it does feel good when it's like, oh, you see me. It's particularly being a fan of this sport where I spend so much time feeling like I am not seen, seen and I don't matter. And when something like this happens and you see that you're being specifically targeted by the advertising, like it does feel really validating. Yeah. <laughs> There's I've a reason been- I do a happy dance. <laughs> exactly. I've been buying like tart shape tape for like a decade almost basically. And I guess not probably a decade, maybe like at least the last like six years. So it's like crazy of like being a, a, now they're presenting themselves at a formula one race it's just so wild and i think if you had said this three years ago five years ago it would make close to no sense and it would never even be a topic of conversation probably i also just have this inkling that like a lot of brands either aren't thinking about getting involved or like oh it's too expensive but like don't understand that like that'll be the lowest buy-in price that you can probably get right now before it just keeps going up and uh i should have said this from the beginning, like we talk a lot about the business and marketing and sponsorship side of F1 because we both work in marketing and we make decisions like these for brands and uh, we understand what it takes for something like this to happen and what goes into it. And there's always an expectation of return. Mm-hmm. So Tart sent influencers to the Miami Grand Prix because we would then see that and then Tarte would be top of mind and we would go buy the product. If Tarte didn't believe that their target audience was watching the Grand Prix, they wouldn't have sent people there. If as great as it is from, I think um, Kate Fagan, who's a fantastic motorsports journalist, uh, says this a lot, is that we are so accustomed to thinking women in sports equals charity. So a lot of people, will see like, oh, Elf is sponsoring Catherine for the Indy 500. That's so great. The woman gets to participate. But Elf isn't sponsoring Catherine for charity. They're sponsoring sponsoring her because they think it's valuable to have their brand present at the Indy 500. And to have a female spokesperson is a benefit for that if they are targeting women in particular as their target audience. So brands aren't making decisions about supporting women or targeting a female audience in sports because of charity. And I think that's sometimes our natural inclination. So I wanted to point out that globally, these are business decisions with an expected return because when women support and like something, we we do it all. We give it our money, we give it our love, our support, our attention, our energy, all of it. So I really think that this is just the beginning Mm -hmm. of deals like this. And for that reason, I wanted to throw out and have a discussion about what similar brands we think might be next to sponsor F1. So like likely to happen, could happen soon. And then also what brands do we want to sponsor F1? And I'll start here with uh, more of like a basic obvious one that I think a lot of people are talking about, Dyson. It's easy, it's gender neutral, And I can't think of anything more F1 than a $700 blow dryer. Mm -hmm. That that feels like the brand, like it just sinks right there. Fans, vacuums, hair dryers. Like you, God, you appeal to almost like every customer there. 
it it just makes so much sense. But yeah, you, the, you'd get the female fans going crazy with Give me the, a Dyson air wrap. Yeah, so Carlos signs using a Dyson air wrap. Yeah, and I do think that there's, since we only have male drivers in F1 right now, there is a benefit if, like, I think my brain naturally went to some more, like, gender neutral, like, traditionally gender neutral brands and products. But, like, not that Carlos Sainz needs a Dyson Airwrap, but, like, imagine him doing, like, the floofy with the... Or getting, like, it's like the creme shop came in and, you know, you just get, like, Logan and Alex wearing, you know, little eye patches before a race and just really hydrating. Oh my gosh, the creme shop would be, yes. It would be ridiculous, but so fun. And I just imagine like an ad now with them pulling off the like fireproof, like head thing, that name I always forget. And then like, they just have like a pimple patch on. It's a little creme shop star. Um, Going back to Dyson for a second, since I thought this brand pairing was so perfect, even just for vacuums, like even if they weren't doing the hair products, that I was Googling to see if they've ever had a sponsorship before. And they haven't. But Dyson has used F1 to sell their products before. Because they, there's numerous headlines from 2014-2015 about how the Dyson vacuum is five times faster than an F1 car. Or another headline is, what is five times faster than a Formula One car engine? The answer is a Dyson vacuum. Uh, Dyson's futuristic new vacuum runs faster than a Formula One race car. Oh my goodness. So has Dyson paid for an F1 sponsorship? No. Has Dyson seen the value in being connected to F1 to already promote their products at some point? Yes, because they did a whole PR campaign around it. So that that brand (laughs) is just, they... It would They're be a right perfect there. partnership, they is would. my point. <laughs> yes. And I do need to see any F1 driver using a Dyson Airwrap, please. Um, okay, so you said Creme Shop. I'm going to throw out Drunk Elephant because their whole thing is like luxury science-based. So I think you could really make a connection between the science of F1 and the science of the Drunk Elephant products. And it's also just at a high enough price point that it makes sense for the luxury audience that F1 is already always going after. Yeah, I think staying within like the skincare realm is again you can be going with that gender neutral. Didn't a skincare brand sponsor Yuki? Like announce they're sponsoring Yuki at the start of this season? Uh men's skincare brand Bulk Apparently. Oh, I don't like that they're entire. I understand that like lotion just kinda looks like other white substances, but like <laughs> Yeah, before I I give you my final pitch, we did remember that a skincare brand um, did announce they were sponsoring Yuki at the end of last season, um, and its name is Bulk Home. We haven't seen them do any activations or anything since then, but from our research just now, it's a Japanese-based skincare brand. I remember being really excited about this, like equally excited about as things I'm excited about now. Yeah, so it's also what it Yuki for, to be the one that gets involved with, like, a men's skincare line. So that right. was also another thing that I was like, huh. And I know that at some point in the last year, Lewis Hamilton has been the face of some skincare something, which is, I mean, a match made in heaven. Like, yeah. Totally that so. skin? Just like- his skin associated with their branding is like, that's, yeah, I bet that's gotta be an expensive contract, but very well worth it. 
So my last thing here is definitely not a brand that I think will be next, but when I want to be next. And it's, I want a ColourPop F1 themed line. It would be so good. It would be so, they would just, you could have like an entire like grid palette and then you could do like mini one-off, like the mini palettes, one for each <laughs> team. And then there could be like a Ferrari red lipstick and you could just, there's so much there and I see it and it's beautiful and I want it to be real and take our idea and do it. Just take it. Someone take it and you're welcome for the money. Just send us a PR package. Like I so very much want it to be real. <laughs> I know. Like I want to, sh whatever the shiny red would be. And then like, I'm, I'm imagining like the silver and black with the Patronus, like Mercedes. Oh my gosh. And like, yeah, no, it would all, all be fantastic. And it doesn't need to be ColourPop. Just ColourPop does those like mm. themed lines so well. But, you know, if you want to go with a more luxury brand, I just, I want a mirror that has, like, the F1 logo on it. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I, what brands do that that would align with F1? I can't think of one that would necessarily align with F1, but that would be cute. I do know that Elf has been doing more themed things. And if we got an Indy 500 themed Elf line right there it's basically yeah, I, all my money take it take it it will sell out immediately you can have it here's my money i will set an alarm <laughs> it doesn't in any racing series like i just want some fun racing makeup hey podcast listeners gossip grid here your guide to f1's paddock elites Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Gossip Grid, where I give you everything F1 pop culture related. And it is going to be very hard to follow up all the fun that is the Miami Grand Prix that I gave you last week. But hey, I'm going to try anyway. So uh, we actually got this news during Miami Grand Prix weekend at uh, the F1 Accelerate convention that was going on at the exact same time. But there was too much going on and we had to wait to take some time to talk about this. So... It was announced that Jerry Bruckheimer and Joseph Kaczynski, who is directing the new F1 Apple TV movie with Lewis Hamilton and Brad Pitt, that there's going to be an 11th team added at Silverstone this year. And people like panic that there's going to be real on-track racing and Brad Pitt's going to be in the car. And it's like, guys, everyone calm down. That is logistically really not <laughs> what's going to happen. Um, so Brad Pitt will be doing some on-track action, not during the race. He will be driving an F2 adapted car that was designed by Mercedes this year. And obviously, due to safety reasons and complications that would cause with regulations of the entire competition, it would literally be virtually impossible for this to be filmed during actual F1 action, besides like getting the real race as B-roll, which they will be doing, which is really cool. Um, you know, our one of our men that we reference all the time with the things that he quotes on, CEO Stefano DiMecalo, had literally talked about this recently, that it's going to be one of the first movies to be filming within a live racing event like this, and that it is going to be very invasive, but they're going to be doing everything they can to keep it in control, but they want to show that no matter what's going on, F1 never stops. So I'm excited to, I'm always excited for Silverstone, and I'm definitely going to be excited this year to see what's going to be happening and Brad Pitt's going to be in full makeup costume uniform character 
all weekend. So if he's gonna be on track in between sessions, like you would definitely, if you're at Silverstone, get to see it. But I wonder if like, we'll be watching FP2 and we'll just get like random shots of Brad Pitt walking around with like massive bunkers following. Like, I'd be interested if they are able to keep this off the normal broadcast. And I hope they aren't. I hope we get to get little sneak previews like in the background of everything. It would be smart of F1 to do that. I would be really shocked if Mercedes doesn't. I really could see Mercedes taking advantage of this because duh, they're like designing the car and this is a part of the thing with Lewis. Right, like, hello, please do this. It's great marketing and I want to see more BTS and just, that's so cool. It's like a whole extra team and things. Uh, and any more insight on this movie that we can get the better and that's like really when we'll get probably our first look of like what the movie's gonna look like so very excited about that now on to another I guess you could say another Mercedes related story Lewis Hamilton was at the Lakers last week game six against the Warriors he was sitting courtside with his business partner and actor Leonardo DiCaprio they are both part owners of the Neat Burger All Plant Based Burger Co so they were sitting together at the game and who knows how much those tickets were actually worth but I bet they paid probably nothing and got to sit there for good PR um, but everybody <laughs> Lakers don't do that they don't so, yeah so uh, I don't know about Madison Square Garden but um, I, like if you went to a Milwaukee game that would be the case but Staples Center people like so many celebrities want those tickets that 100% they're paying for them the like well, of all those people I guess you know Leo and Lewis are probably doing fine and can definitely right. afford but if you see celebrities at Lakers games, they're paying for those tickets because there's just too many celebrities who would want to go to those games who are so who are relevant enough to do so. Yeah, Fun fact. Like, this game. Right. Fun fact that uh, because so many celebrities go to Lakers games, they'll like show them on the broadcast. And I actually got a call from my father, who is not an F1 fan. Like, Lewis Hamilton was at the Lakers game. <laughs> did you see him? Because they did like a whole, like they went through a lot of celebrities, but they, like Lewis got his own shot with like a byline and everything. On yeah, the screenshot of that uh, caused a, a really talented fan did a, a good job of Photoshopping that photo to say eight time world champion. And people thought that the Lakers organization made like a super call out because it looked really real um but it was not but you know it is <laughs> that's yeah. not obvious from my current attire of how i feel about that uh-huh. but after the game uh lewis shared photos of him sitting front row and just added the caption great game great energy so he had a fabulous time it was another really big, interesting event going on this weekend. So in Venice, why were so many F1 faces hanging out in Venice for three days? Well, this is actually what the people of the internet have started to be calling the F1 royal wedding. Um, so with this wedding included guests that were Toto Wolff, Susie Wolff, Stefano Domenicalo, Kali and uh, Daniel Ricardo was in the wedding, and this all makes a lot of sense because it was Chloe Stroll and um, Scotty James who were getting married. Who are these people? How are they related to Formula One? Chloe Stroll, daughter of <gasps> Lauren Stroll and sister of Lance Stroll. Scotty James, Australian snowboarder, Red Bull athlete, Danny Rick's BFF. So actually, Lance, of all people, introduced them and said, 
that to his sister. I just met your future husband. Love that story. Really incredible. Really funny how these paths all cross, but that's why so many F1 people spent three days in Venice this past weekend. And last fun bit of news are to American US fans. We are getting an F1 arcade in the US. They currently have one in London that does really cool events like watch parties. They have a ton of simulators in this arcade and I'm really, really dying to go. So they're opening one in Boston in early 2024. It is supposed to be at the Boston Seaport, Seaport with <laughs> 69 full motion racing simulators, lots of food, drink experiences, an electric atmosphere, literal exact quote, and a perfect game watching experience, race watching experience. In London, they have watch parties that have competitions and prizes and trivia and all that different kind of stuff and like a DJ. So I'm really hoping that they keep that same energy and type of activities in Boston. And I definitely will take a visit there next year once it's open. So definitely maybe not as jam packed, as exciting as Miami Grand Prix, but I always think F1 and pop culture moments are pretty great. So that's all I got for you this week. I thought it was just as exciting. Just a little bit less Vin Diesel. We are starting our F1 Academy predictions this week. The way we're going to do it is every week we get to draft three drivers for the F1 Academy weekend. And whatever points they score, we score those same points. Uh, we get three drivers each, but we are only allowed to pick two drivers that are in the top seven of the standings. And then we have to pick at least one driver that's in the bottom half of the standings. So we have to, to take a flyer on someone who's not... Uh, consistently churning out results. Uh, we waited until round three because we wanted to be able to make semi-informed, not just completely random decisions based on how things are going, essentially. We're gonna do snake picking and Nicole has opted to go first. Mm -hmm. So Nicole, um, who is the first driver you are drafting for round three of the F1 Academy? So I did go back and forth on this, um, but I am going to go with what probably people would consider right now the obvious pick. I am picking Martha Garcia's, but uh, Garcia, but I really, they made just incredible content after her race wins and it just really tugged on the heartstrings and I, 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 I love it. I love all the content that's being created with her. So it may seem like the obvious pick to pick the person who's first in the standings, but that's what you do with the first round pick. So Martha Garcia's coming on my team. Well, I'll give you one statistic as well. So she's first in the standings and in qualifying, which I always think is a good measure of like how well a driver's doing because in a race, like things like strategy and like other things can affect your results. Um, she's averaging qualifying 1.5. Yeah. So not only is she getting great race day performances, she's also churning out great qualifying performances and she's one of only three f1 academy drivers so far who have scored points in all six of the races that have been completed so cool yeah really yeah. really wild very impressive um so it's, it's an easy first first round pick yeah so. she's had an amazing first two race weekends incredible um, yeah so with my first and second pick since we're snaking it i'm gonna go with abby pulling and bianca bustamante um, both of these drivers, they're cur Bianca's currently sixth in the standings, and 
Abby is currently seventh in the standings, but Bianca is averaging qualifying 3.5 and Abby is averaging qualifying 2.25. So they're both qualifying a lot better than their current standings. Um, Abby had the issue where she was had disqualified from her two pole positions she got in race weekend one. So essentially of the top seven, besides Marta, they're the two drivers that are qualifying the best right now. So I'm going to bank on that going into the unknown track here for race weekend two. They, um, so those my that was you literally snagged what probably would have been at least like one of my next picks, if not both. They were like definitely on the list. Um, All right, with your final two picks here, you can pick someone from the top seven, but you have to, one of them at least has to be from the bottom half of the standings. Okay, so I'm going with here. I'm not making any final decisions right now, but I definitely am because I have like my, I have like my list of rankings of order of Uh like, here, this is my priority. Okay, I'm going to take Lena Bueller. Okay. Chloe Grant are my picks. So I have Martha, Lena, and Chloe are my three. An interesting Lena fact. Um, so there's three drivers who've scored points in all five, all six races. Lena is the only driver to have scored points in five of the six races. And then all the other drivers are less than that. So she has definitely been very consistent so far. Right. There was points... Yep. I saw the consistent point scoring. I'm like, okay, at least it's getting, getting something's not, you know, we love getting points as someone who is not getting a lot of points elsewhere in predictions. Um, <laughs> you know, and you don't want to just go when looking at the standings, you don't want to just go like, Oh, picking, going back and forth. One, and two, one, two. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Um, and then this goes without saying, but, uh, this, we want to do these predictions and we're following this series, but we want all these women to do well because right. the point of this is that we want as many of these women to get seats on the next, uh, in F3, which is the next step in the ladder. So like just disclaimer to all of this, but it's, it is fun. It's a sport rooting interest. <laughs> so we're picking it. Right. Exactly. We're talking about it. Rooting interest. Rooting interest is for the whole, every, not everyone to succeed, but for the series to succeed. So Yes. There's some running interest involved. Um, okay, so then I'm going to go with my final pick to round things out. Um, I'm going to go with Jessica Edgar, uh, which, yes, seems, I mean, she's eight, and I needed to pick someone in eight and below. Uh, but she's her average qualifying is averaging out as a seven, and in race weekend one, she qualified fifth and third. So she had a much better race weekend one than two. So I'm going to, if I'm looking for trends of performance here in order to pick someone, I'm going to go with her. I think she is qualified better than her current standing in the state, in the overall standings. So that's uh, also, it's early in this whole new series and everything's still 100%. like, so who knows what we'll see. And maybe these picks will jump around and be very, very different, you know, for the next race. But I'm excited about this. I'm excited now that we have a rooting interest and another way to be competitive because, of course, that's exactly what we Because that's what, yeah. Yeah, because we really need that. (laughs) Which I just want to clarify, if people are hearing us say that, like, we're not actually competitive with each other in, like, real life. 
we just like being competitive with sports and like yeah. silly things like this. Like, yeah. and this I more feel like I'm competing with myself of picking correctly, yes. than like against <laughs> your picks. Welcome back to Yellow Sector Notes. Uh, we end every show with one note from every F1 team because we can't go in depth about every story going on in F1, but we think there's something interesting going on up and down the path. So starting like always at the Red Bull Garage, Rebels car livery design competition is now open for Austin. So if you want to submit a design and potentially get it selected, like the one in Miami was, submit it soon. It closes very soon. Aston is in rumors to be in talks to team up with Honda for the 2026 engine regulations. Nothing official yet. We just know they're talking. They want to become a works team. So this one was pointed out to me by a post on at decal spotters on Twitter, which by the way is a fantastic Twitter account if you just want to follow sponsorship news up and down the grid. The Mercedes race suits now feature two stripes down the side of the leg. And it didn't, at least in Australia and earlier. So all the photos of Lewis's podium, there's no two little stripes down the side of the leg. But in Miami, there were. So I don't know why, but they're they're cool. They're they're Patronus blue. But I just I was like, why? What does it mean? What does it mean? I think it means they had an interesting design update and they brought yeah. it to the track. <laughs> they're bringing upgrades. They brought race suit design upgrades. <laughs> Charles Leclerc shot content in Monaco this week with the agency race service. It seems like it's centered around him driving his Ferrari road car around Monaco very quickly. Alpine CEO continues to set ambiguous ultimatums to the press about team performance. I call them ambiguous because he's not telling us what they need to be doing or whose job is on the line, but they definitely need to be doing something and someone's job is on the line. And you can infer from that what they need to be doing and who needs to be doing it or they will be fired. Uh, Okay. Uh, Lando got a new McLaren. Hopefully it runs better than the race car. Uh, Haas. (laughs) Um, Okay behind the curtain here for a second. Every single week, we're recording these notes for Yellow Sector Notes. And I have to text Nicole, I need help with Yellow Sector Notes. And she goes, what teams do you need help finding a story for? And the answer is always Haas. And then, by the way, Nicole always comes through with a great, like some note to say about Haas. Yeah, so shout out to Nicole for helping with this. And this week, the answer is, if you head over to Haas's YouTube channel, Gunther quizzed both of the drivers on Italian words. <laughs> was a funny video. Uh, Valtteri Bottas la- is launching a gluten-free pizza truck in Finland this summer. Uh, the branding looks really cool. Uh, I cannot fly to Finland this summer to try it, but maybe someday. Uh, Nick DeVries is rumored to have a three-race ultimatum. Uh, again, with the vague ultimatums coming from teams, I don't know what he needs to do over the triple header to prove that he isn't going to lose his seat after this triple header, but it's something, and it's an ultimatum. Um, lastly, you can have an evening at the Williams headquarters at June 9th if you live in that surrounding area, or you can get there for only 150 euros. And yes, 150 euros is not nothing, but you get to spend a whole night at the Williams headquarters with the head of their historic corporation and see historic F1 cars and drink alcohol. So if you're in the area, I would definitely check it out. They're also running a 10% off promotion for that right now as well. So it would be less than 150 euros. Uh, If I lived anywhere close to that and not in Southern California, I would be all over this. This would be really sick. 
So that's it. Those are the yellow sector notes for this week. Nicole, how was my sector time today? Veloce, which means fast in Italian. <laughs> so thank you to voiceover man. Thank you for Taylor Swift for clarifying that the gold rush lyrics Eagles t-shirt hanging from the door is about the Philadelphia Eagles and not about the band. And Alberts. it's literally Brown and I have not stopped talking about it. And I've been wondering the answer of that since December 11th, 2020. And if you want to play it again this Sunday, that would be really, really wonderful because I absolutely love that song so very much and maybe we'll be in the same place again. And thank you to our four-legged executive producers. Make sure you turn on auto-downloads, rate and review the pod. It really, really helps us out. It takes two seconds of your day to literally make our entire week, if not our month, if not our year. <laughs> Especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you follow us on any of the social media platforms, whatever it is that you use, at Gridwalk Show, absolutely everywhere for your daily Gridwalks. And we will be back every Thursday, and we sincerely hope you join us. 